The following podcast is sponsored by Endgame PR, a social media PR firm based near Richmond, Virginia. To learn more about how Endgame PR can help your business with media relations, social media management, content creation, and even podcast production, please visit endgamepr.com. That's E-N-D-G-A-M-E-P-R.com. Welcome to Rams Rewind, the show that looks back at all of the action from VCU men's basketball. In this special bonus episode, host George Templeton will preview the upcoming first round of the NCAA basketball tournament when VCU will take on the Oregon Ducks. And now, here's George. All right. We now know the seed. We know the matchup. We know the little pod they're in. We know the region, so let's get into it. VCU seeded 10th in the West region. They will play seven seeded Oregon. Last, pretty much the last game of round one, 9.57 tip time Wednesday night, which is good for me because it means I can actually go to work, maybe get done with work before we head, before, before I head home to watch. They will play the winner of the two seed Iowa in the 15 seed Grand Canyon. So we're going to start with VCU by the numbers, but we're going to do by the numbers for everybody in our little pod here that we're talking about. Because one thing about the tournament you have to remember is that essentially these are two-game mini-tournaments all the way along, and if you win three of them, you win the national championship. You can't think about what happens in the other half of the draw because it's nothing to do with you. Uh, you cannot think about the rest of the region. It's fun, too, and of course when you're picking brackets, you've got to do it. But you can't even think about what's going on in the 3, 6, 11, 14, what's going on in the other half of the bracket, because it, you, you don't have to do diddly squat with it until next week if you can get that far. So let's, we're just going to focus on our little, our, our little patch that we've got to worry about. So we're going to start VCU by the numbers with VCU, having played only the one game over the weekend. The numbers haven't changed that much. They are 117th in adjusted offense. They're 45th overall in Ken Palm's ratings, 117th in adjusted offense, which I think is a bit of a drop, about three or four spots. Uh, 12th in adjusted defense. They were top 10 last week when we looked at this. Tempo is, is actually up a little bit, up to 110th uh, in terms of tempo, which is going to be interesting when we, when we compare it to everybody else. Uh, Non-conference strength of schedule ticks up again at 119, and that's important to me, and you're going to see why in a minute. The best team, of course, is Iowa, which is interesting in, Ken, in terms of Ken Pomeroy's numbers. By the fact, they have eight losses, which is a lot more than a lot of teams that are way up there. They are the best-rated two-seed uh, ahead of Houston, Ohio State, Alabama in that order. Interesting that Alabama is the uh, lowest-rated two-seed because, of course, they, they uh, are not in Gonzaga's region. Gonzaga, the number one overall two, uh, number one overall. Uh, seed gets the best rated uh, two seed, at least according to Ken Palm. Iowa's the second best offensive team in the country behind Gonzaga. Second best in offensive efficiency. So there you go. It's going to be strength versus strength. VCU's outstanding defense against Iowa's really great offense. Defensive efficiency, 50th, which is not terrible. But again, typically to go very deep in a tournament, you got to be better than that defensively efficient. you got to be more defensively efficient than that. Uh, we'll see if that's 
if that's going to be a big problem for them and if VCU, even with their struggling offense, can, can, can uh, exploit that. Uh, in terms of tempo, very similar to VCU, they're 100th. So, again, the pace is going to be somewhat similar. The big one for me, and this is why I think VCU could have a chance against Iowa, non-conference, all of Iowa's really good numbers, especially in terms of schedule strength, come mostly from conference play. Their non-conference strength of schedule an adjusted scoring margin is 286th. And that includes playing number one overall Gonzaga. So when you look at this non-conference schedule, it isn't much. They did beat North Carolina like a drum. North Carolina was nationally ranked at the time. They recovered their season. You know, that's a, de- that's a decent win. Where's North Carolina and Ken Pomeroy? They're 28 in Ken, in Ken Palm, so that's not bad uh, from, from Iowa. But outside of playing Carolina and Gonzaga, it's, it's not much. North Carolina Central, Southern, Western Illinois, Iowa State, who turned out to be just awful, Northern Illinois. You know, that's, that's who they played in non-conference schedule. So they tested themselves a little, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the roaring, it wasn't as tough a non-conference schedule as I think you'd want to see from a team as good as Iowa. And yes, they played in the Big Ten, Big Ten's tough, but there's, one, there's, there's a couple things. Granted, they lost this team when it was still a pretty good team, but they lost at Minnesota in overtime. For me, the big one is they were swept by Indiana. So you look at the way Indiana collapsed down the stretch, and you got to ask yourself if they can lose to a team like that twice, you know why the heck? Why the heck couldn't couldn't a VCU beat them? So you know that's the interesting thing about Iowa. You know they played, they did, they did try to. I mean they they did schedule some really good games. You know North Carolina's Big Ten ACC Challenge, so you're almost always going to get a decent game in that if you're a decent team. And they and they played they played the best team in the country. They played the number one team in Gonzaga. So you, you sit there and say, okay, you know, that's legitimate. But the rest of it isn't much. Uh, and, and, and you know, by accident, some of these teams that are seated high end up playing teams that do, that do really well in their conference and end up conference championship champions. And, and Iowa couldn't even do that. So it's like, you know, they, they played those two really great games. And outside of that, none of those teams are as good as Grand Canyon who they can play in round one. So that's, that's the situation with Iowa. If VCU gets that far, it'll be interesting. But they are fifth overall in Ken Palm, which is impressive. Oregon, and this belies the nature of what a toss-up it is and why it's probably the toughest game to pick for a lot of people in their brackets. Oregon's 36th in Ken Palm compared to VCU being 45. So seventh seed for them is, is, is not that far off. That's about, that's about right. Uh, Oregon, 16th in offense. So again, a really good offensive team that we're going to face here. 76th in defensive efficiency, not that great. That's that's decent, but again, when you get to this level, uh, if you're not a if you're not a very good defensive team, it's it usually can get exposed here. And it's you know it's, it's interesting to look at, at at the rankings of the defensively efficient teams. Uh, uh, you know the teams that are in the tournament, their defensive rankings. You know a lot of them are lo- a lot of them not surprisingly are lower than VCU, who of course is 12th. Oregon plays a lot slower than VCU, 242nd in tempo, which surprises me because not that's not typical for Dana Altman, but but they are but they're doing that this year. Uh, and this is the other interesting thing too. When you look at their the strength of schedule, uh, their overall strength of schedule for in terms of offense and defense and adjusted scoring margin, not all that dissimilar to VCU, and they theoretically play in the tougher conference, playing in the Pac-12. But you know, defensives they faced were 89th. Uh, inefficiency, 
Uh, VCU's were 86th. Offenses that they faced uh, were 68th in efficiency. VCU's 87. Overall, Oregon was 75th. The teams they faced were 75th. Uh, VCU was 86. Again, non-conference, non-conference was fairly similar. Uh, Oregon's non-conference strength of schedule for adjusted score and margin was 164th. VCU's, of course, 119th. So you you see that you look at the last game, and the thing is they don't have any 6'10 or 6'9 guys. So you think VCU's got an edge, uh, an edge out front, but all their guards are big. Duarte, the player of the year in, in that conference, is, is 6'6". They started, he started the last game. And let's see, the other starter for them against Oregon State, uh, well, they, they play three guards. So, you know, R- Richardson, I think, R- Richardson almost played every minute. Uh, let me see his uh, – let me see here. I think he's like 6'5", uh, Will, Will Richardson. Let me find him real quick. Uh, yeah, Will Richardson, 6'5". Uh, Williams – Williams is six six, so I mean again they're all you know they're not real huge guys but they're all fairly big guys. Figueroa, who who's their swingman type guard forward, he's six six. So what'll be interesting to see is, and this this is where the the plan's going to turn on me is for Oregon defensively. Are they just going to rely on their superior height advantage to 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 bottle up Highland? Are they going to try to swallow him up because he's going to be giving up inches? To both the guys that you think they're going to send towards him, you know, Baldwin again is going to be giving giving away a few inches. To these guys as well. Is that going to be a problem for them? And how does VCU, you know, get get them to space, or or is it going to be a case of VCU's going to say say to Highland and, and Baldwin, you're quicker than them, go around them. That so that's that's going to be an interesting thing. Here's the other interesting thing: Oregon in that game against Oregon State. Their starters played, all of them were over 30. You know, all, all in, the, in terms of the bench guys, Chandler Lawson played 10 minutes. Amari Hardy played six. Frank Kepnang, uh, who's like their one really big guy, played three. So, you know, VCU ought to be able to wear a team down like that. They weren't able to against St. Bonaventure. They were starting to. And, of course, the interesting thing is Oregon State, who beat them, you know, they, they ended up, with one starter who only played ten minutes, and, and they played a lot of people. They played ten. They played ten. Uh, you know, they played nine guys, and one of the guys came off the bench, played twenty four minutes, and got thirteen points. By the way, Oregon was terrible in that game. That's the other thing. I listened to a good chunk of the Oregon Oregon State game when I saw the halftime score. I couldn't believe it, so I went over. I flipped over on my phone. Was listening to that as I was driving around, and Oregon never even got close. I mean, they, there was a couple times where they made a run and got it down to about seven or eight. Oregon State was in complete control of this game. Uh, Duarte, they held a five of 15. He was two of nine. There's going to be the interesting thing. Oregon is, is among, the, is a, is among the, the best in their conference in terms of field goal percentage and three-point percentage. So that's going to be the key. And Oregon State did a great job against them in that, in that semifinal. Uh, 23 of 55, 41, just a little hair under 42%, and, you know, 6 of 25 from the three, which is, on you know, under 25% from three. Uh, Oregon really, really struggled there. So, again, strength versus strength. You see Oregon State do that to Oregon. You say to yourself, okay, you know, VCU can do some business here. But, again, the size is going to be interesting because are they going to take Highland away? Can VCU's guards, Highland and Baldwin, Pass over or pass around that length to get it into their big guys. You'd think 
Ward, Douglas, Stockard would have the advantage. But they were productive in that first half. You know, even without Highland being in there, didn't give them the ball enough in the second half. Uh, of course, I'm getting into that, and I re- and I and I have not have not addressed Grand Canyon. We should talk about them because you never know. Grand Canyon is 108th in, in Ken Palm's ratings. There's, you know, there's a lot of teams. There's, there's a fair, fair few teams that are beneath them. Some of them is high, you know. Some of them, some of them are actually high, higher seated than them, and, and are beneath them in terms of uh, the Ken Palm ratings. 142nd in offense, 74th in defense. One of the slowest playing teams in the country, 314. So, there, there's your, there's your angle for for Grand Canyon. Is they're going to have to slow Iowa down. And and it's quite right, you know. Iowa's gonna Iowa can score a lot of points. You know they've had a couple games in, where they've had a hundred plus this year. Uh, they got eighty eight against Gonzaga, who's a really good defense, who's got really great defensive numbers, even though they lost that game. It's going to be tough to hold them down. And when you've been held down, that you know that's they only got seventy one in, ch- in the in the semifinal against Illinois, fifty seven when Michigan dropped a house on them. You know they 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 did manage to win a game in the '60s. They got 62 and beat Wisconsin uh, in their in their tournament opener there. But you see the kind of magic number for them. Though for the most part, is if you can keep them below 70, you got a chance. Uh, you got a chance against them, and that's what Grand Canyon is going to have to do is figure out a way to keep that game in the '60s and '70s if they're going to have a chance. Uh, let's see here. Grand Canyon's uh, non-conference strength schedule was 201. One of the things I look for for a 15 is if did they play a Power 5 team real close. Now, it's interesting. When Arizona State was ranked in December, they only lost by one. That game was actually at home. Of course, Arizona State turned out to be terrible. They lost by 10 against Colorado on a neutral floor in Las Vegas. Uh, that game was was tied at halftime, was fairly, fairly close. But it wasn't like, like in 2012, Norfolk State played Marquette in an in-season tournament one of those rare times that an HBCU got invited to an in-season tournament. I think it was it was uh, Paradise Jam in Jamaica, and it, and Norfolk State actually got to the final of that tournament, scared the living daylights out of Marquette, who crushed them on their home floor. Uh, I think it was I think it actually might have been later in that season, but on a neutral floor, that game went to overtime, and you knew that if Norfolk State got in the tournament, they could do they could do some business there, and you don't really have something like that, so it's kind of hard to imagine Grand Canyon. Uh, Really scaring the bejesus out of Iowa. Of course, one of the times that VCU was in this situation, they were playing Oklahoma, basically in Oklahoma City, and Cal State Bakersfield scared the daylights out of Oklahoma. So you never know. But that's the Grand Canyon situation. You know, they're they've done well. They've done well. They're finally in the tournament for the first time. They have an experienced coach, Bryce Drew. That helps. Uh, but again, you know, playing in the Western Athletic, it's 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 hard to have a. A, a really tough, solid schedule. And to me, if you're gonna if you're gonna upset somebody, then you got to choose to play really good teams in non-conference schedule. And they played Colorado, who's pretty good, uh, the, but the rest of it is nothing special. Grambling, Benedictine is non-D1. Mississippi Valley State, Prairie View was they were supposed to play Prairie View that was canceled. Prairie View made the tournament. Nevada, decent team in the in the Mountain West. Uh. You know, San Francisco out of the West Coast and then Colorado, you know, again, that's it. Some of the COVID pauses might have something to do with that, but that's, you know, that's that's the situation there. So getting back to the Oregon-VCU matchup, here's, here's the question. If Oregon decides that their plan is we are going to send a double team at Highland, 
We're going to double team him with two guys that are going to be taller than him because it's likely it's going to be you know somebody like Figueroa, somebody like Richardson, maybe even maybe even somebody like Williams Jr. They're, I think what they're going to do is they're going to sit here and say they're going to see they're going to see if Bones Highland's going to make the mistake he made against St. Bonaventure and force things, and that's something Bones Highland and and Baldwin too. Don't get frustrated and start forcing stuff up. Don't try to force things that aren't fair. If you can pass over or pass around this, and of course, you know, the key is going to be one of those big people, whether it's Douglas, whether it's Ward, whether it's Stockard, go out, set that pick, roll to the basket, and when you see them rolling and you and you got a good angle, get the ball to them. I, I, I just think about, I think about that game against St. Bonaventure, and you think about that first half where Highland doesn't play for 17 minutes, and I'm not going to back over that because I don't want to back over that uh, that debate again. But you think about how well the front court played in the first half, and how they really helped keep us in the ball game. And I said it, you know, I did that. I did the video celebrating the women and and, and their performance uh, when they won. And I but I talked about the first half of that game, and in the first half of that game. You know, VCU was was five for eight. I think their front court guys combined were five for eight, and I'm trying to call that box score up now. It's not coming up. There we go. So I'm going to go back to this here and look at the first half. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Ward, Ward, Douglas, Stockard, a combined five for eight in the first half, uh, and the rest of the team six for twenty three. So that kind of tells you something. Uh, you know, and 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 they were doing. And that's against, and let's remember something. That's against one of the best, that's against defensive player of the year. You know, one of the best block shot guys in the country, Osu Nishuni. And he got two blocks, but but the VCU front line was producing. What and, and it was giving us a chance in the game. Again, you know, it's only it with no points from Highland. You know, Baldwin and Highland between them got two points in the first half of that game. It was still only a seven-point game. So so VCU had that opportunity, and it primarily came from the front court, from from our big players playing really, really well. And 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 so, and look, against that front line, against Amonyi, against Williams, against Eric Williams Jr., I really do think that that VCU can go to town here. Uh, Amonyi is a, is a, is a, is a very good front court player. He had five steals in that game. He had a couple blocks. He actually had four assists, which though he's very good at passing out of the post, which is, you know, when we get to VCU's defensive plan, we're going to talk about that in a minute. But I do think VCU can really, can really get that, can really get it down low. And that's the other thing. Highland and and I said it before, Highland and Baldwin are fast enough to get by these guys. I really do believe that. And that might be the thing. Of course, the other the other end of it could be because they don't have a lot of size up front, they may decide. VCU's not a good three-point shooting team. That's what the book on them is. Let's pack the paint. We're not going to let them get the ball in there. We're not going to allow Baldwin to drive in there and kick out. And okay, then. That means Highland and Williams, you got to be the zone busters. If they're going to play a zone, Highland, one of them 30-foot three-pointers, we might need a couple of those early. You know, We might need a couple of Vince Williams corner threes early. Loosen that up. That, that's what I'm looking at. Now let's talk about defensively. Uh, Duarte's fabulous player, fabulous, fabulous guard. It's going to be a great challenge for Highland and Baldwin. But of course, they, they've 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 done a they've done a number on some of these guards uh, before, and 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 
you know, I'm not going to sit here and, and not, and I'm not going to sit here and say they can't, they can't, they can't stop this guy. He was poor against Oregon State. Really, really had a tough time against Oregon State in that game. You know, five, of, like I said, five of fifteen from the field, only had fourteen points, and and didn't really do much in the Arizona State game that they won in the tournament. But the guy, the guy is the guy can absolutely be lethal at times. And again, from three-point lanes, 43% three-point shooter, really, really good. You know, 80% from the foul line. Doesn't get the foul line a lot, though, only 71 times, uh, which you'd, you'd like, your, you'd like your, your best guard to get there a lot more than that. But over 50% shooter. So, for, and, and, and here's the thing. You're going to see them, you know, we just talked about it with, with, with Amoni getting four assists in that game against, uh, against Oregon State, you know. In the semifinal, so you know their their big players can pass the ball out of the post. So what we've got to be careful of, and, and what I and and what this is so important, we're gonna have we're gonna be starting Ward Douglas or Stockard Ward. We're gonna have Stockard Ward Douglas. We're gonna have hopefully two or three in there almost all the time. Medley Bacon too. Our guys are always gonna have the size advantage down low. So there is no need, as far as I'm concerned, no need to trap. Or, or very little need to trap, no need to, to, to go double down in the post when the ball gets down there because you know they're going to kick it out. You know they're going to want to kick it out to get three-pointers uh, for, for, the, for these guards of theirs. I'm just going to look at, uh, I'm gonna look at Figueroa's numbers real quick, see if he's as good a, fa- a three-point shooter as, uh, as Duarte. As I, I mean, 43% is really good from three. And over 50% is pretty good too. And see, he's not bad, 37.6% from, from the three-point line. So that that's an interesting thing as well. Forty-seven point six from the field is not too bad. Doesn't get to the foul line at all, a lot at all. So again, here's what we're talking about here. So that's Figueroa and Duarte. Neither one of them get to the foul line a lot, so they're not going to drive that much. You know, they're going to try to shoot over VCU, but what they're going to try to do, they're going to they're certainly their big guys are going to certainly set set screens for them and try their dad then try their darndest uh, to get them open looks. And we can't let that happen. We got to. I mean, we saw. Didn't do it against St. Bonaventure. We didn't go over the screen with Welch and Attaway and it killed us. We got to go over these damn screens. We absolutely have to, have to, have to, have to, have to. Uh, and, and if we don't do that, we're going to be in trouble against these guys. But one of the other, th- one of the interesting things is as good a shooting team as Oregon is in the in the field goal percentage and three point percentage didn't get that high, weren't that high in assists. And so that that's an interesting thing. So it's like. A lot of the stuff they kind of generate themselves, and I think again that's where VCU's defense can really can really do do a job on these guys here. Play it straight, you know. Be very careful when you trap them, because I really don't think you need to that much. Maybe Duarte every now and then if you can get him in trouble, because again, you're talking about six, you know, six five. He's gonna have he's gonna have some height on both Baldwin or Highland if he gets him. Uh, it'd be a little bit different. With Watkins and Banks, and that's the other thing. Watkins and Banks got to really play well defensively off the bench. I know there's talk about Curry that he was back in quarantine at VCU. I really would love him to be available for this game because I really think Curry Curry could could uh, could do some work on these guys, and I would love to see Curry get the opportunity to try to guard one of these guys because I think he would. I I really do think he would relish it. 
and I and I think he could cause them problems, and it would be just it would just be wonderful if we could have him. But I understand if that's not possible. But yeah, I'd love this is a game. This would be a game for Keyshawn Curry. This really would be a game for Keyshawn Curry. And of course, you know that's the other thing. There can be times I think when we put Vince Williams on him, and I and I think that I think Vince Williams can do some work for us there too, guarding these guys in the backcourt. And of course, because our guys are so comfortable, our, our big players are so comfortable. There'll be opportunities to maybe run one of the big players at him, but again, you got to be you got to be committed in these double teams. If you're going to go double Duarte or double uh, Richardson or, or or any of these guys, don't halfway do it. I mean, get right on them, get swipe at that ball, get at that ball. That's what you got to do. That is what you have to do if if you're gonna if you're gonna make if you're gonna make that commitment because you just don't you don't want to leave these guards open. Outside from the three, they can hurt you. They can absolutely hurt you. And, of course, why did Oregon State win that game and win so impressively? It's because they didn't let that happen. And and they had Oregon shooting 24% from three. And, of course, Oregon State was over 50% from three themselves in that game, and they were 50% from the field. So that it's going to be interesting to see Dana Altman versus Mike Rhodes. Who can get their guards on track first? And how is that? how, how are they going to play the paint? Both ways, but especially in the Oregon's case, defensively, you know, are they gonna are they gonna say to themselves, we don't think BCU can make enough threes to beat us. We're gonna pack this paint. We're not gonna let them get easy post entry to to Stockard and Douglas and Ward. And how is VCU gonna combat that? And on the other side, if that's what they do, can Bones Highland warm up from three early, loosen up that defense a little bit? Because that's the thing. If, if Bones Highland steps back and makes a couple 24, 25 footers. Well, that, that plan's out the window. And if you can get that space inside, I really think VCU's front court can dominate here. So I am excited. I am looking forward to this like everybody else. 9.57 tip time. I want to say it's CBS. I think it's – oh, no, it's TNT. I think it's almost certainly TNT here, and I will be able to tell you that in one second. I will be able to t- tell you that in one second. Yeah, TNT, 9.57, there or thereabouts. So, uh, you know, like, like somebody said in our fan group, get yourself a nap. I will be coming off a, a shift at work, so I will be amped up, and I will be uh, drinking the energy drink work during work to get myself ready for this. I cannot wait. I really do think BCU can win this game, and I think there is a way to beat Iowa. Of course, you know, with that, with that case, when you're talking about Iowa, you're talking about a team that shoots the three ball really, really well. Really, really well. They shoot threes. They're a tremendous three-point shooting team. Almost 40%, 38.6. Gars is over 40% as a three-pointer. Weiss Camp is 47% from three. Uh, Jordan Bahannon is 38.9. You know, the, these guys, these guys can uh, can can really can really do a number on you there. And Weiss Camp and Bahannon in this case, Bahannon's taking almost 200 of them. Weiss Camp's taking almost 150. Uh, Gars is a little more selective, but still, you know, 37 made threes in a season is not too bad for, for somebody of his size. You know, Luca Garza working inside out. The good thing is, Hassan War, as I've said before, our front court players, most of them are very comfortable defending away from the basket. So that gives us, that gives us some opportunity to kind of hold Luca Garza down a little bit, but there's going to be more of a temptation to double in the post and help out with him. And if you do that, you are taking a risk that Wieskamp and Bohannon can burn you from outside. But again, you know, we'll 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 take a if we get that far and we're playing Iowa, 
I'll certainly take a closer look at that uh, in the post-game pod after hopefully a VCU win. So anyway, expect me to be watching the game with you live uh, uh, in the Good, the Bag, and the Ugly group for those of you in that group who are listening to this. Uh, Hopefully I won't be late and I'll be home by the time the game starts. Uh, that's a catch as catch can thing. I, I, I've been my 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 uh, bosses before when VCU had the nine o'clock start for Davidson. I sort of dropped a little hint about it, and they and they did me an absolute solid. And I think I got out of work at like eight fifteen uh, that night and was able to get home in time to watch VCU put it put put the clamps on Davidson and win that game. So I'm hoping for similar here, and let's hope that uh, that uh, the the uh, the the, the uh, post-game pod will not be the last one of the season on, on Saturday night, and we can get ready for a, for a Monday game against the winner of Iowa and Grand Canyon. If you're listening on Apple or Podbean, rate, review, subscribe, share it around, tell your, tell your friends. Thank you all for very much for listening, and uh, I will be talking to you Saturday night after hopefully a VCU win, the first since 2016, and on to the second round. And maybe we can do do a job there on those Hawkeyes, if that's who it is, or who knows, maybe the antelopes. Wouldn't that be something? Thank you all for listening. Have a very good day. Uh, talk to you. Talk to you Saturday night. To submit a question for George to answer in an upcoming episode or to inquire about sponsorship opportunities for this podcast, please email ramsrewind at gmail.com. To participate in the post-game Facebook Live with George, join the Facebook group VCU Basketball Fans, The Good, The Bad, The Ugly. We'll be back after the next game, and thanks for listening to this episode of Rams Rewind.